0: us. Uh, this is obviously an unusual Sunday with all kinds of fun stuff going on, and uh, so, so let's, uh, let's just once again pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being a part of your family. And we thank you that we can come today and celebrate you. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our hearts this morning. We ask that you give us a new influx of joy. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been working through Advent. Um, we are uh, uh, coming through to uh, week three and, and we're going to focus on joy. The, one of the things I love about Advent is it, you know, if you do it right, Advent presents a, uh, a, a collision of emotions because you have hope and sadness. You have uh, longing and loss. You have contentedness and expectation and uh, we celebrate. You know, something that already happened along with something that will happen. So we have this just collision of things happening. And joy isn't uh, an exception to that. I found that joy in itself can, can bring and present um, a, a collision of, of emotions. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. 2,700 years ago, Isaiah the prophet was standing at a very perilous time in Jerusalem. He had just seen and was in the process of watching uh, the Assyrian Empire topple the northern kingdom, the ten tribes of Israel. And they were carried off um, and and otherwise just destroyed. And he knew that the same thing was about to happen to Jerusalem. Uh, The people were far from God. And all the words that God was giving him to speak, uh, they were hard words. They were words that God was going to judge his people And he knew this was coming, and he knew a period of darkness was coming. Um, Here's what he wrote in chapter 8. Bind up the testimony, seal the teaching among my disciples. I will wait for the Lord, who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob, and I will hope in him. I don't know if you've ever felt like the Lord is hiding his face from you. But if you have, you're in good company. Isaiah doesn't... uh, uh, try to hide the fact that this is going to be hard and that it is hard dealing with this. He, he, you know, you have this cliche about sorrow being this dark tunnel. And, and That's what he's showing, though. It's going to be a dark tunnel for a long time, but there is going to be a light at the end. There really will, but it's going to be, it's going to be difficult. But he does point them to hope. In fact, the second half of his book is him pointing to that light at the end. And it's actually just a few verses after what we just read. Here's what he says. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. He's all saying this in future. You know, this this is not now. This is coming. And here's why there's going to be this light to the darkness. For uh, to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom. Isaiah is walking in darkness, but he knows the light's coming, and that light is a child. A child who carries parliaments on his back, justice in his fists, and laughter in his fingertips. He will turn the nation to gladness, as with the joy at the harvest. Isaiah rests in that promise. And then the nation waits. And they wait As Assyria fades and Babylon comes and topples Jerusalem and carries them away into exile. And they wait as the Persian Empire rises and only a few exiles return to Israel. And they wait as Persia fades and Greece rises. And they wait as Greece fades and Rome rises. Hundreds of years they wait. They wait through a silent period where the Lord isn't even speaking. All they have are promises. 700 years they wait. And finally... Luke, the historian and the doctor, he writes this. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Imagine getting that word and sitting on it. You will see it, Simeon. You will see the fulfillment of Isaiah's promise. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. Anna and Simeon, these aged Tireless saints, they waited and they waited and they waited for the fulfillment of Isaiah's promise, the advent, the arrival of the long expected joy. And it's for people like Anna and Simeon that every year at Christmas time we sing the song.
1: Oh, come. and cause us in her way to go, rejoice. i
0: words to that song give us, even today, a rationale for rejoicing. Isaiah urged us to rejoice, and Anna and Simeon were able to rejoice, not on the basis of something they already had. Anna and Simeon are rejoicing, not because their life is pain-free. They're not rejoicing because everything's become a Thomas Kinkade painting. They're not even rejoicing for some of the good stuff they want to happen. They're rejoicing on the basis of something which has not yet happened, but which is promised. They're rejoicing on the basis of a promise from their Lord. They say, Oh, come, Emmanuel, and he shall come to thee, O Israel. And that's why we rejoice. These people waited with great expectation that a, that a real and lasting good would finally come. But even then, there, there's, you have a reason to rejoice, but you also have the realities of life. And these people were not immune to hardships. We just read about Anna. Anna loses her husband just seven years into her marriage. She probably would have just been in her 20s at the time and doesn't remarry. She's a widow for 60 years. Being a widow in the ancient world is very difficult. It's difficult at any point. But it's when you're in the ancient world, there was no sort of safety net or anything. I don't know how she went on, but she did not marry again, and she makes a decision. She does a very bold thing and and just marries the Lord and goes into the temple and day and night prays and fasts and waits for the fulfillment of this promise. And you have to figure both Anna and Simeon would have faced more hardship than just about anybody else of their day because the average life expectancy is in the probably early 40s at this time. And here they are living well into their 70s and 80s just waiting for that promise. And Simeon said, Lord, you said you wouldn't take me until I see the promise, so I need to see the promise. All that heartache, losing everybody they knew and loved, all of that weighing on them. But see, there's, there's joy and there's grief together commingled. That happens when we wait. There's a songwriter and singer named Latifa Phillips out of Colorado with a, a band called The Autumn Film. And uh, years ago she released a video and a song to uh, uh, that, that's a song we all know, but she, she wrote a new arrangement to it and put it out, and she, it was so unique she, because she wrote it just like right after she got the news that her father had passed away from cancer, and uh, it was a very misunderstood video, and I'm going to play it for you this morning. Like I say, you'll recognize the song, but not the arrangement.
2: But the joy.
0: explained the video on in a blog post she said when she wrote this the reality of the grief of losing her father hadn't even fully hit her she says but at the same moment I had a deep sense of peace he was no longer in pain he was no longer sick he was free from all his ailments and restored although I still miss him I know that God has weaved redemption through death into my father's story that brings me great joy. It was not until grief became a part of my story that I realized that joy is not simply an expression, but an attitude and acknowledgement of the deep peace of knowing a Savior. I now know, she says, that you can experience grief and joy simultaneously. Joy is not the absence of pain. Joy is not the absence of of sorrow and when we feel pain I know we in the west we have this sense we want to shove it down we want to pretend it's not there but as followers of Christ it's the worst thing we can do as anyone I think it's a bad thing to do but for us you see it's when we admit that we have those aching places that we open ourselves up and say Jesus come and that's where he meets us he meets us in our place of pain And it's in that place of pain so often that I become refreshed and my heart becomes more knit to my saviors. And joy is reborn in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of very real pain. Our old friends Anna and Simeon, they didn't deny the hardships in front of them. They knew exactly where they were. They knew exactly how perilous the times were and how much they had lost Personally, and how much they were losing as a nation. But still, they refused sorrow because they could look up and say, Lord, I remember the promise. I remember the promise. My heart hurts, but I remember the promise. You said you would come make all things new. So, Lord, I'm going to rest in that promise. Does it feel good? No. And I'm not going to pretend that it feels good, but I will rest in that promise. And I will take joy in believing your word that your promise will be answered. That you will fulfill everything you said you would fulfill. They sat at the intersection of present pains and future promises. I imagine them every day in the temple what it must have been like. Every day they go in, Anna stays in the court of the women, and she prays, and she fasts, and she prays, and she fasts. And Simeon, too, wanders. He helps the Levites. He prays. He helps the pilgrims, and he prays some more. And every day, they're on the lookout, and they don't see him. And years go by, and decades go by until one unexpected day. They see a woman, and she she climbs the stairs holding a tiny baby. And they see a man next to her holding two turtle doves. And something inside them, they know. They feel a pulsing inside their chest, and they know, and they, they, they see from across the courtyard, and both of them from different angles start coming toward them. They're running as best they can. They can't run anymore, but they're hobbling, and they're going as quickly as they can, and they see, and tears come in their faces, and they see this child, and Simeon comes, and he scoops up this child and starts weeping, and here's what he says. Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word from my eyes. Have seen your salvation that you prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. A light. He's finally there. The long-expected Savior has finally come. Let's come and adore him. Take a look at this painting, the face of Simeon, the face of adoration, the face of a long expected promise fulfilled. You and I still experience pain today, but not like the men and women of old. For, for us, Christ has already come. We stand with Simeon. He has come. The long-awaited hope has arrived. You and I stand today as beneficiaries of history's redemption. One promise has been fulfilled and another shall be fulfilled. We are hemmed in then by celebration, joy behind us, joy in the midst of pain, and joy yet to come. We rejoice, rejoice for Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel, and we rejoice because he has indeed already come. You see, it's for this reason we, we, we can't fall into sorrow. We're bookended. We are bookended by songs of victory. A Savior has come and he will come again and his spirit dwells with us even today. This is why, friends, we rejoice during this season. We rejoice and we look forward to the fulfillment of all things, and we know he will fulfill it because he has fulfilled his word already. So for now, we sing joy to the world. The Lord has come because he has indeed come. Joy. Guys, we serve a good God. We serve a living God. We serve a God who fulfills his word. Thank you, Jesus, that you fulfill your word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Guys, part of joy is feasting together, and there's cinnamon rolls. Be blessed and Merry Christmas. Thank you for being with us this morning.